If you enjoy Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, there is an amazing resource at your fingertips full of great videos and full of technique thoughtfully explained. The website's tfsjujitsu.com. Now, this website features tons of videos that help break down various techniques and help explain step-by-step on how to get you there. With gi and no-gi instructionals, it has something for everybody who enjoys BJJ. This website has been meticulously put together by Team Balance Black Belt, Ben Tallini. And his focus was to build a website where people felt confident in the information they were getting. TFSJujitsu.com is full of videos of various positions, submissions, takedowns, and more. One of my favorite things about the website is Ben invites other instructors to share their favorite techniques and break them down into bite-sized pieces. So, listen, it's a great website. I think you guys are going to enjoy it, especially if you enjoy Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Make sure you check them out at TFSJujitsu.com. That's T-F-S-J-I-U-J-I-T-S-U.com. So today's guest is my friend Chris Green, who is the owner and operator of C. Green Home Inspection Group. Uh, he's a great guy, and he's helped me out on a couple deals with his uh, vast knowledge of all things house issue related. Uh, I met I met him at a electrical home inspector electrical course training thing. I forget the name of it exactly, uh, for real estate agents that he put together and he taught himself. He also uh, did a home inspection for one of my purchase offers, and I thought uh, he was a great guy, very knowledgeable, and I really liked talking to him. So I figured I would have him on the podcast to shed some light about getting your home inspected, some uh, do's and don'ts and uh, just kind of pick the brain of uh, a local expert. So I hope you like this episode with my new friend, Chris Green. My episodes, 90% of the time, are recorded at like 8, 7.30 when I can get them down. How many kids do you have? I have three. Oh, you have three? I have th- I have three, well, two teenagers and one preteen. Wow. So, you got a full yeah. house then, huh? I do have a full house. They're very busy. But uh, they're kind of at the point now where it's like it's easy to break away. Like when they were really little, you know, it's hard to mm-hmm. do things because you've got to wait for them to do whatever they're going to do first and and now they kind of just do their own thing. Yeah, right. So, they all have like their own their own goals and objectives now, right? Yeah, yeah, no, they're totally into their own their own stuff. So it it's a it's a new phase of life that my wife and I are in right now because we were we were so used to just hovering over them all the time. Yeah. Now we've got time to do things that we like doing too. How old is your youngest? My youngest son is 12. He'll be he'll be 13 wow. in uh, in July. Yeah. That's cool. Do my, you guys I'm like really excited. I find myself being pumped and looking forward to when we get to share the same like hobbies and stuff. Do they mm-hmm. share any of the similar hobbies or interests that you do? Yeah, yeah, definitely. My youngest son, my uh, Liam, he's he's going to be 13 this summer. Um, he loves music, and I I grew up playing in punk bands. I play guitar and, and sing and thing. And my wife is a singer also, and that was kind of how we got together. Was she was into music, and we used to do that stuff together, but my youngest son plays bass and guitar and drums and we just we play punk music in the basement man like all we do is just jam out so it's he's a he's a wicked good drummer he's such a good drummer but uh you got a whole family band then (laughs) yeah yeah it's like yeah for sure my daughter plays violin my my, uh she's seven or she's gonna be 17 this year uh she plays violin so yeah we just jam and like it's cool especially during quarantine it's fun you know just yeah we had stuff to do at home yeah right you guys actually you started like your own little uh what is it the partridge family was the, the musician family, family? yeah <laughs> it feels that way it feels that way sometimes my daughter you know she bows out a little earlier than my son does she's like all right this is getting lame i gotta get out of here but but <laughs> my youngest son though he's crazy about it though like he loves all kinds of music and this is actually we did that this evening just before dinner we jammed for like an hour and it's just it's a good release you know yeah 
So how how cool of- is that? You just you're you're just having a jam session with your family. That's pretty baller. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I remember when he first started playing guitar. He said, "Well, actually, no. He started jamming on the drums when he was like uh, like four or five years old." And I was like, "Oh, maybe he's going to be a drummer." And I would kind of humor him a little bit and play along. And um, and then by the time he was like eleven or twelve, I was like, "Holy smokes, this kid can actually play drums!" Like we might be able to start like a band. I don't know. <laughs> That's cool. That's so funny. And now here he is. He's he's playing drums and stuff, right? Drums, yeah. you said. Yeah, he plays. Well, he plays drums and guitar and bass and and like all those instruments. He's he's pretty good at the guitar as well. But he's a he's a I would say a pretty exceptional drummer for being twelve years old. He can keep up with whatever I can do, which maybe doesn't say much. Maybe I'm not very good at playing guitar. I don't know. You're the punk rock dad, so that I don't know. He can keep up with you then. Yeah. So what bands did you play in? How many bands were you in? I uh, I I played in a band pretty much all through high school junior high and high school it was the same band for like six or seven years and we just played punk music it was uh um happenstance was the name of the band and um it was just me and guys that i went to high school with. can i find their myspace info anywhere there is probably no internet footprint damn it (laughs) whatsoever it's which is probably a good thing at this point (laughs) By the time we were done playing, the internet was just becoming like a cool thing, and we missed the YouTube boat and and all that. But um, I still have I have tapes. You know what I mean? I whip them out every now and then. I play the tapes for my son. He's like, "What the heck is that?" He's like, "Dad, what is that? Is that a cassette? What is that this, thing?" This is a cassette. Let me introduce you to ADAP. Also, that's like a totally different. <laughs> so that's funny. Fun. And uh, did you play music all throughout? Uh, did you go to college or after high school? I I um, played well. I went. I didn't go to college until I was in my twenties. Later on, after my wife and I got married, um, several years after that. But I mean, I pretty much just started working right out of high school. And my wife and I uh, met in high school, but started you know really dating when we were like uh, twenty, and then we got married when we were twenty-one. And by then, we were you know starting to raise a family and working together. And right. Music took a back burner for a while until I realized that my son was going to love it. And then I was like, oh, maybe this is like a possibility again, to, yeah, at least right. for fun, you know? Dust off the old uh, guitar, right? Yeah, it's just for fun now. We just have a good time doing it. It's like, hey, we're home together. Let's play some music for a little while. So. How amazing would it be one day he just comes, he comes out of his room and he's wearing like skinny jeans, a studded bracelet, like like a <laughs> chain wallet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I that would probably be my daughter first she's like she's the quiet rebel in the group but she, she's the one that i would expect the the, the weird visuals out of i think but yeah wearing like an anthrax shirt <laughs> yeah yeah for sure yeah i love it you know because they like my wife she grew up listening to like uh I, don't, I just called it like hippie music or whatever but she was <laughs> like when we first started dating she's like check out this pink floyd comp that i made or whatever and i'm like that's lame let me show you some no effects you know yeah <laughs> uh, and uh so my son has got my all my kids have this really eclectic view of like music so my son plays everything and then he comes to me he's like yeah check out this song that i learned and he'll play a a punk rock song in one riff and then two seconds later he's playing stairway to heaven you know it's like that's cool i think that makes a better musician though overall right for sure i wish i was i wish i was thinking like that when i was younger you know it would have it would have been more diverse but they're fun they just they just love music. They'll play whatever, you know. Yeah, that's so cool. So when you you said you when you got out of high school, you went right to work. What were you doing? Yeah, so I I have been in the construction building field in general since high school. I mean, I think I was seventeen, probably seventeen, the first construction job that I had. And um, when my wife and I first got married, I was working for a landscape company for, for about a year and I left them and I, I started a landscape construction business that we, that we had together for several years. And, um, that kind of morphed into some, some other general construction. We just, we started doing some remodeling and interior work and, and, um, so yeah, yeah. The first, I would say probably the first six or seven years that we were married was, you know, right out of, you know, just a couple of years out of high school, really, uh, was mostly just kind of in that construction lane in general. Were you guys high school sweethearts? No, uh, no, we, we dated each other's best friends, um, through a lot of high school. Oh, that's funny. 
and then uh, we kind of lost touch after high school for like a year, and then we and then we started talking again thanks to good old AOL Instant Messenger. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, the AOL. Oh my goodness. Yeah. There was some so, time spent on that thing. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was fun. So we, we started talking again about a year after high school or so and and uh and the rest is history. We've been married this year it'll be uh, in November this year will be eighteen years we've been married. Wow. Yeah, wow, that's crazy. Hey, so have you always worked with your wife? Uh yeah, I mean we really we yeah, we went into business together uh just shortly after we got married. We started the landscape business and, and she was a partner in that um in that company really from day one. And so we've, we have worked together in some capacity, you know, really since, you know, the second year, I guess that we've been married. Oh, wow. That's crazy. A long time. And now you guys, you guys own your home inspection group together, right? You guys still work together. Yeah. Yep. She, uh, she is the, the glue that holds together all of the, all of the smarts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have a harebrained idea and she says, no, Chris, let's talk about this a little bit more. And then she helps me rationalize the ideas. And right. um, she's, uh, I, I had a, a, a good friend of mine back a while ago say, you know, Chris, you're, you're the obtainer and she's the maintainer. <laughs> Everything you obtain, she has to maintain. And, and that's that was kind of a, a weird reality, I think, when we first had that conversation. But I was like, it's so true, though. You know, I, I dream up an idea and she really helps me work through the details of how to flesh that out and make it a possibility. So it's, you know, without her input in that, I I don't think that we would have done half of the things that we've done together, you know, over the past decade or so. Yeah. And that's that that's such so crucial in having a good team, not so much two people being great but two people great at separate things right Mm -hmm. like all the relationships i've had i came from a a retail background before i got into real estate i was assistant manager and i always talk about how when i worked with uh the other assistant manager judy we were such a great yin and yang because when it came to hr paperwork insurance stuff like that she had that stuff down pat but when it came to merchandising or uh ad sets and stuff like that 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 was my jam you know what i mean so having that yin and yang where she could take care of uh like does she handle a lot of the client calls or does she do a lot of the bookkeeping does she do the inspections like what what kind of jobs does she have i i I would say that she she works on the side of the business that uh, is the most important, but probably the most unseen, <laughs> which is the, all the client communication, uh, all of the scheduling. Uh, she handles all the finances. Uh, you know, she she really makes sure that everything that is unseen is happening seamlessly. Um, you know, once we finally get out into the field and do the inspection, I mean, that's in a way that's kind of the easy part <laughs> once we get to that. Cause she's really handled all of the back end of the business that, that makes it possible for us to do that. So, um, she really, when you say that you use the example of the, the yin and yang, I mean, she, she really is the balance to the business. Cause I'm the, you know, I have this high level of energy to like get out and just do things all day long. And she's the one that says, okay, let's, let's look at everything that's happened and, put it all into perspective. So, you know, all of the ideas are going to work the way that you want them to. And I mean, she, everything that she brings to the table is literally the counterbalance to all the chaos that I bring to the table sometimes. Yeah. yeah that's, that's why I think my, my relationship with Brittany, with my wife works because it's, I, it's very much like you, Chris, where I bring a lot of high energy. I just want to do all these things. She's great at like reining me in and like, Hey, make sure you schedule some time so you could do X, Y, Z. Like she's, she's great at, at reminders and man, she's so good at like scheduling, like schedule. If I, if she never taught me how to, the pros and cons of scheduling stuff out, I think I'd be a lot worse off in real estate. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah, no, for sure. Because yeah, when you have that type of personality that's driven towards a, a goal, you know, you just, you see an outcome. And I had somebody say to me back a while ago, you know, the people with a temperament like that, they, they, they're a hammer and everything that they see is a nail, mm. <laughs> you know, they, yep. they think that everything just needs to be, you know, kind of handled a certain way. And, and, uh, it really does take another set of eyes and a different set of, you know, a passion set, so to speak, to, uh, to bring all that together. It can't be one temperament running the show. It's just, it's very unbalanced. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, so it's yeah, it helps uh, you bring a little, like you said, it helps you bring a little bit more uh, balance into things, right? Yeah, and it's and it's. I think we're fortunate, you know, anybody who has the opportunity to work with a spouse that that um, is willing to get on board with whatever the vision is at that time, um, you know, to work alongside because they they know the inner workings of not just the business but the family dynamic. I mean, being a being an entrepreneur, being self-employed, whatever that that is for people. Um, the family dynamic is so fragile, I think, in a lot of ways, because as you're busy, you know, you're taking time away from, you know, I mean, I take work calls sometimes in the middle of dinner and <laughs> she's she's the one saying that that work call can wait. And I, and I know that she's right because she knows what's on the line. You know, yeah. she, she 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 knows what's suffering and what what's not suffering, you know, better than maybe a disconnected spouse would that's not really involved in the business. So, yeah. No, and that's, there's a, a quote that I heard the other, uh, probably a couple of weeks ago, and I'm probably going to butcher it, but it is basically all throughout life, right? You're juggling all these balls. You have all these balls in the air, but mastering them is knowing that you have some balls that are made of glass and some balls that are made of stone, right? So your family is like the one that's made of glass, right? So if you're you're juggling that and that drops to the ground, that's hard to put back together, right? But if you if the stone, the rock is is work and that drops for a sec, it's all good. You can pick it up, dust it right off and you still got that. Still got it up in the air. And and the opposite of that I think is a very common misconception for especially new business owners, new entrepreneurs, they think my family will understand, they'll wait, they, they understand what I'm going through right now. And, and we think that they're the ones that are the resilient ones. And, uh, and in a lot of because of that relationship dynamic, that's there, they are the most fragile in it. And for justified reasons, you know, they, so it, sometimes it's okay to let that client go to voicemail, you know, for a yeah. minute, if you need to. And it's, so ba- balancing home and, and work is, uh, you know, family has to come first. It really does. It's very important. I, I think a lot of people understand that. Yeah. And that's, it's something that you have to learn, especially when you say entrepreneur, I don't, it's weird to call real estate entrepreneurial. Cause like, I mean, I get it, but it just, to me, I don't, I don't know. It still hasn't set in, but you're managing your clients, right? So you're managing your time, you're managing your schedule and very much like you said, the new, the new agents are the ones that start to go overboard and that could affect their family too. You know, having that balance yeah. is super important. I, I totally see you got, you know, the real estate agents, even though, you know, I, you know, being connected to the brokerages and things like that, I totally see you guys as entrepreneurs, you know, in, in a, in a, in a particular kind of way, because you're, you're in a known industry, but creating your own path inside of that yeah. market. You know, the, the the relationships that it takes, you know, no, nobody's just handing that success to you. You still have to, uh, you know, sort of blaze your own trail in order to make it work. So, I mean, that takes an an entrepreneur spirit to be able to do that. You know, the 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 personal marketing, the personal connecting, and you're make even though you work for a company, you're creating a personal brand at the same time. Yeah, um, which is you know, a stamp of a, of an entrepreneur, if you can do that successfully. So I totally see you guys in that lane. Yeah, totally. And that's, you know, what's funny is, uh, you know, my, uh, my mentor, Donna Jordan. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I know Donna. yeah. She, uh, she told me when I first started, it's very much an eat what you kill kind of business, right? Like if you want to <laughs> sit on the couch and eat Doritos in your underwear and play video games, sure. That's cool. That's fine. But just realize that you, you're not, that's not, that's not a income generating activity. You know what I mean? So like rewiring my brain and always, I'm always trying to tell myself, is this an incoming an income producing activity that I can put my energy on? And mm-hmm. it's, I always hear her, <laughs> I always hear her voice in my head when I'm sitting at home playing video yeah. games or something. <laughs> right, right. For sure. That's such a, that's such a big shift in mindset. I think from people who are going from, uh, you know, say just a conventional job, a W2 employee somewhere to to being out on their own and you know maybe working on commission or, or whatever you know they're they're used to uh the employer you know hunting and killing and bringing it back for them yeah. so they can have plenty to eat and um you know to to be in that self-employed entrepreneur type lane which you guys really are in a lot of ways you you have to get up every morning and say i gotta find something to hunt you know i i, I need i i gotta find ways to feed my family today yeah so, you know so it's um 
it, it's not for everybody. It, it really isn't. And um, that's a, a that's a great way to put it. I mean, and the home inspection thing is still the same thing, right? You're still generating clients. You're still trying to find that next client. You're still trying to network with other agents and get your name out there. How did you first do it when you built or when you started your home inspection group? It, it was very different from the construction lane. So, you know, as a contractor, you you build a nice bathroom for somebody and they tell their friends. And, and before you know it, you're putting in a nice bathroom or finished basement for their uncle or their neighbor. Yeah. So it's it's very, you know, you do, do a job, get a job, do a job, get a job. And um, so the, the home inspection business is so much different because even though it would be great if we could find clients on our own, you guys as agents are the ones who are encountering that buyer before they even know they need an inspection. They're not, you know, they're going in just shopping for a house. They don't even know they need an inspection until it comes up. So, I mean, you're, you're really the frontline worker, so to speak, when it comes to uh, finding those leads. So it's, it is important for us to, to, um, uh, to know agents and to, and to build relationships with them. That, that was really the biggest shift in, in the dynamic for us was, you know, learning how to understand the process, what you guys are going through on your end, you know, what, what the transactions like, what kind of questions and encounters you guys are going through. And, um, what we did differently was just try to connect with people, learn, learn something, you know, ask more questions, <laughs> you know, do, do an inspection and then ask the agent, you know, what, what made it easy? What, what made it hard? What, what about the process, you know, made the transaction for the buyer and for you, you know, more seamless and, and uh, easy to understand. So we just, we did a lot of listening, uh, a lot of question asking that first year or so just to figure out what, what is it that the buyers are going through? What, what information do they need that we can bring to them that will add value to their, to their experience? Um, and that's that's never ending. That just keeps yeah. going. Every time I think I've learned something that is going to stick with me forever, and I'm all set, I get schooled the next day. <laughs> it's yeah. something and realize I don't I don't know anything. You know. Yeah. Sometimes the universe be, speaking, right? <laughs> yeah. Always something new to be learned for sure. We're, we're forever students of that. What uh What made you shift into uh, starting home inspections? <clears throat> um. It it was kind of a an unknown uh thing that was happening at the time you know we were we were working with a lot of real estate investors that were buying foreclosures uh properties that they were going to flip or you know or com even commercial real estate and as a contractor we were getting calls from the investors that we were working with regularly saying hey chris before we buy this house can you just come out and you know, do a once over on it for us and let us know what your thoughts are before we make an offer or something like mm. just kind of an unofficial, you know, what do you think kind of thing. And we did, you know, over, over a few year period of time, a lot of them, I mean, it was like happening on a regular basis. And I, I saw the, the, um, I don't know how to say it, the, the relief and the satisfaction in the eyes of the buyer when they realized that they had information and that information made them feel like they had some sense of control over a crazy situation. Yeah. You know, like, Hey, thanks for coming out and looking at this and saving me $50,000 in repairs that I just had no idea were there. And it's the kind of the love eyes that they have when they're first looking at a property um, and they're, and then, and maybe they're not seeing, you know, something major that could be going on, which isn't always happening. It, it doesn't happen all the time, but we just, we saw this, this effect that it was having on people where they felt like information was putting them back in the driver's seat a little bit. Um, and we just, I think we fell in love with the idea of being able to provide value through information and not just building a pretty bathroom for somebody. Yeah. Uh, that, that information was really what was helping people, not just helping them aesthetically to change their house. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think that that's, that's, that's part of it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. What, uh, I don't even know, what does it take to become a, a home inspector? Like what kind of uh, schooling or licensing do you have to go through? 
So in, in New York, it's different all over the U.S., but in New York State, we have our own, you know, set of licensing law here. It's 140 hours of training that is required at a minimum that has to be done with a with a licensed uh, home inspection school. So it's 100 hours of classroom training and 40 hours of field training. Um, and uh, and you get people from all different backgrounds that come into that, you know, the retail workers and warehouse workers and contractors and all that. And we see it all the time. I'm actually, I don't, I, I don't know if you and I have talked about this in the past. I'm, I'm the director of ed for one of the Syracuse home inspection schools. And um, that's how we do some of the realtor continuing ed training. But we work with uh, all of the guys in the Syracuse market that are in the process of, you know, seeking a home inspection license, you know, working with them through all that pre-licensing training. So it's uh, it takes them four months, you know, to get through the process, but then there's just, you know, ongoing continuing education and things like that. Yeah, no, that's actually, I met you when you were teaching one of those classes and we were talking before the podcast, I, I think it was the electrical one that uh, Martin had put together that was for CE credit. There's special hoops that you have to jump, right, to have your class certify as continuing education for realtors? Yeah, yeah. So you, you, I know that there's a few different lanes that, you know, you, or ways that you can go about it. The way that we are able to do that is through a New York State license and approved home inspection school. Um, so that, that school uh, is... Um, approved by New York state to provide those continuing education credits within certain lanes. You know, we can't, we're not going to talk about fair housing or anything. That's not in our lane. You know, that's, yeah. we talk about things specifically related to the home inspection. So what we do is um, categories that we teach in that four month training program for home inspectors. We've condensed those down into, you know, two and three hour uh, mini training sessions for realtors. So we can give you guys a snapshot of, you know, what, what is a home inspector looking for? What, what is lining up with their standards of practice with the state and, and all of that, just to kind of, you know, bring together both sides of the fence, the realtor and the home inspector. So there's a little bit more understanding between the two of them. Yeah. As to what for. Yeah. yeah I, when I, uh, I'll never forget when I had my first sale and we did the home inspection and I God, I can't even remember it's like three years ago who the home inspector was. But, uh, you know, you get the list of stuff that's all wrong with the house and he's going off on the, uh, you know, the deficiency list, all the stuff that that's, uh, has some issues. And I'm like, what does any of this mean? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what any, what the, what is a CSST bonding? What the hell is this shit? So I'm like, thank <laughs> God there's experts like you that I can lean on as a professional and say, Hey, look, man, I don't, I don't know much about. This, I can tell you that, you know, 1,500 square foot house, three bedroom, two bath, and this zip code gets you about this much. But when we start talking about this issue here or this electrical, I'm like, I, you got to talk to a home inspector. They'll give you some more some more looks on it. Super crucial to have somebody like that to kind of lean on, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, and that's, I, I like the way that you're saying that, you know, to, you know, this side of it and the home inspector knows this other side of it. And what that really equals at the end is that the client gets maximum value out of their experience. Uh, you know your lane, you know, and, and as a home inspector, we do the best to know our lane and, and, and other guys do as well. Um, and it, all of that equals at the end is that the client is receiving the best team effort as possible. It's it's not the realtor working versus the home inspector or the home inspector trying to say whatever, you know, and not give a crap about what the realtor thinks. Yeah. Um, it's not about that because there's this pinch point in the middle, and that's the client who has saved their money and they've made good choices so they can try to buy this house. And they have multiple professionals that they're relying on to give them proper information and so if i think we're we're all individually trying to just serve that client a hundred percent you know yeah right and uh when you take those classes you teach those classes do you ever see consistencies with the people that are taking those classes rather it be people who are highly motivated or are leaving their job to become to do something that's more entrepreneur? Like, is there a common thread between all these people? I, I would say that the, the commonality is that they're all just looking for something different. They're looking for a, cha a change of pace. Um, 
But as far as a commonality of backgrounds, they're all over the board, man. They're just yeah. all different. Uh, I, I've seen stay-at-home moms, stay-at-home dads, retail workers, warehouse workers, retired contractors, um, um, just anybody who thinks that maybe they have the ability to, to give it a go. And so it's um, the one thing that I think is, is always interesting, though, when you get to the point in the, in the teaching where you talk about business development, there's usually about 50% of the class that's a little shocked when they realize they have to start a business. <laughs> that's really the biggest, the biggest side of it. Cause they, they, you know, they're hoping that they can get a license and maybe go work for a company. And they're just, especially in New York state, there aren't a lot of multi-inspector firms that you can just go get a job with. So that's, that's usually kind of the deciding factor is, you know, the person who's willing to train, learn something new, but also take that leap and say, Hey, I also want to start a business as well. Yeah, and are you uh, are you one of those companies that have a a bunch of different inspectors working for you? I, I don't say, not a bunch, uh, but we do have a few, and and we're uh, you know we're in the process of of growing that, and it's you know we've been fortunate enough to be able to add to the team, especially this past year. We've we've added some you know some more uh, some more inspectors to the team and some other services that we're offering as well. So I mean that that's really our hope. I, I always feel for the people who come into that class and say, I didn't know I was going to have to start a business. I don't, I don't want to start a company. And, and I watch them in their training and say, man, they're going to make damn good inspectors. Like they really, they're attentive. They pay attention. They're learning really well. They're just, they're very, very good students of the process. And it, it killed me about a year ago when I realized that a lot of them would never make it to market as home inspectors because they didn't want to start a company or a bit, even a small business. And so, that was a real motivating factor for us that we want to see them be successful. We want to see them, you know, make it in the industry that they're going to be good in. And so if we can help shoulder some of that responsibility on the back end of the business, like, you know, managing finances and generating leads and customer care and, you know, public relations and things like that. So they can go out in the field and do what they're good at uh, as opposed to, you know, kind of drowning in the, back end of the business then um you know that i think that that's kind of what's made us want to bring in you know bring in more inspectors and what we were working with in the beginning why do you think there's not a lot of home inspection companies that hire multiple you said it's usually just like one person pretty much running the show yeah yeah that's i i would say overall that's probably the most common is you know to see a one you know one person outfit you know guy or a lady that is, is working alone. I think it's different reasons. It could be, it could be, uh, just, you know, general demand for their business. It could be temperament. It could be, you know, just personality. Um, it's, it's a, it can be a really great business for a single, single operator. You know, mm. it, it can be a really nice career working alone. Uh, and some people just love to be able to work by themselves and it works for them. Um, I think the, I think it's different. It depends on who you ask. You yeah, know, I, was, I was just curious if maybe it was more about not taking the extra risks risk of somebody else being on. I don't know. Would there be? Is there a risk associated with that? With having like a second inspector on your your group or team? Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you take away the the owner operator out of the field, I mean, nobody cares more in the beginning stage of a business than an open open. Uh, uh, owner operator, um, because they've got their hands on all corners of the business, you know? Yeah. And also too, it's hard to control how, you know, when you have your name, like you have Chris green home inspection group, when you have your name attached to it, it's, it makes it a little bit harder to kind of control how someone, a, their public face and b how they interact with clients. I would, I would imagine, right. Because if they say something, poor then that reflects on the sea green home inspection group you know what i mean sure I, I think that that's i mean that's true about any any brand that scales and and builds a team and just you know the, the day that you decide hey it's not just going to be me it's going to be you know it's going to be us uh whatever that means us is <laughs> lots of lots of us you know going around somewhere um any company is going to encounter that uh, on some level and you know, training, equipping, giving people the right tools to be able to do their job. Uh, accountability is huge. 
um, even though I'm not personally on every inspection that we do, <clears throat> I review 100% of the reports that our inspectors put out before they're ever sent to a client. I mean, that's, that's usually what I'm doing at this time of night is sitting at my desk looking through the reports that have been completed that day to make sure that um, communication was happening properly, that, that, that the client is getting the best, you know, interpretation of, of um, you know, of their inspection um, before it goes out. So we, we, have, we have layers of accountability with our business to make sure that, you know, that, that inspector has the freedom to just, just do what he's good at. And that's, you know, look at houses and, and find, find things that are important with them. So. Do you think that sets you apart the most from the other, you know, XYZ home inspection group? I I, I hate to say that because I, there are a lot of great inspectors. Uh, oh yeah, and this is no way like you bashing. I'm just saying. Yeah. Why well, why why are you guys different from the competition? I think I was in a sales meeting at a real estate office last, well, the beginning of last year before COVID started. And um, the broker said, asked that question. He said, what makes you better than the last home inspector that came in here and gave a sales pitch? And he said, you better not tell us that you're honest and thorough. Cause he said, that's a given. You should be honest and thorough. Don't. <laughs> he said, every inspector comes in here and tells us how honest and thorough they are. Right. And I, I had to pause for a minute cause I'm thinking, man, that was kind of like my go-to. Like, I feel like we're, <laughs> we're honest and thorough. What else, you know, what, what else is there? And what we internally, what we really, our passion is, is communicating accurately with the clients and the realtors i feel like that's what's setting us apart what our what our desire is is to make sure that we're providing all of the communication in an accurate way so people aren't afraid of what we've shown them they just feel informed uh that the the clients um uh, feel like everything that we did was complete i always tell the guys that i'm training in class and even in in our own company um our reports should never provoke emotion from the buyers or, or the sellers. We're not there to tell you how the house made us feel. <laughs> We're there to show you a defect. Hey, this was broken and this is these are the implications, but I, I don't want to influence the emotion that that brings out of somebody because everybody reacts differently to what they, what they see. Um, and so to be able to bring good communication to the buyers, to the, the agents, so everybody can make a, a good decision. Um, you know, I, I'm always hesitant to say that, that that that's not happening with other home inspectors because it, it is. There are other home inspectors that are fantastic communicators and they're and they're doing a great job. Um, I just want to see that become more common practice across the board that that, that we're communicating at a better level. Um, you know, in the reporting and in person. Yeah, hats off to that agent that that said that. I I really like that because that's it's a, it's the same goes for agents, right? When you start talking about what real estate agent you should use and why why do why does Corey stand out from the other real estate agents out there honestly i'm thinking in my head yeah because i deal with people honestly and fairly and that agent would have called me out on my bullshit right because that's ever that's that's a requirement of the job right is the yep. deal on it's like everybody is like that and now i'm trying to rethink my life and why <laughs> why am i different from other agents <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like you got to dig a little deeper when you when we're in we're in such a common field, right? Realtors, there's a lot of realtors, home inspectors, there's a lot of home inspectors. It, it, it's it's not this brand new industry that we're cultivating from nothing. It's kind of a known a known factor, and so what makes us individually successful is the personal temperament and twist that we bring to the table. And I, I did some. I've done some small business coaching with, um, you know, some other contractors and things like that. And I, I always used to say when I would sit in the Home Depot parking lot as a client or a, a contractor and I would see everybody's trucks, all these contractors, seven o'clock in the morning, just lining up under the canopies to pick up their materials. Everybody's truck said fully insured, free estimates. <laughs> and I'm like, no kidding. 
<laughs> right. That's a given, right? You're a contractor. Your estimate should be free. You should never be charging anybody to tell them what something's going to cost. And you should be insured. Those are like entry level requirements <laughs> in the industry. Why are you what, like you had one opportunity to tell everybody on the side of your $40,000 truck what made you different. And that's what you told them is yeah. what everybody's doing. And, and I just and it's individual for everybody. What does make you different? Why should out of the 15 contractors that were lined up under that canopy, why did each customer choose them individually? What was that experience like? And I, I think we all have to kind of define that. What's what do we bring into the table that makes us different than the guy behind us? You know? Yeah. And it's, could you imagine if every real estate agent's business card had uh, can write purchase contracts and sell houses? <laughs> right that's that's what i'm imagining when you said the the trucks and fully insured and all that stuff that's that's really funny no it's such a you're right it's an interesting business because it's you have to tell people why you're different from the competition right because everybody does the home inspection stuff right there's people can do all the same but i think it's personality right personality is a big thing and social media really shines a light on that you really get to see okay, I get to see Corey doing martial arts. I get to see him do this. And I think that helps people buy into, when I say buy into you, it sounds a little weird, but buy into like your company or the product you're trying to sell. Makes you a little bit more genuine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, pe- people believe in you. You know, they, they see that you're a, you're a person. Yeah. I, I think that people are so burnt out on sales. You know, we hate, we get sales calls, we get letters in the mail, we get, TV advertisements and social media advertisements. People are just sick of being sold something, you know, and they, they just, they want somebody that will, like you use the word genuine, you know, just, they already know that they're shopping for a house. They already know they're shopping for a new car or whatever it is that they're looking for. They just want somebody to present real information to them so they can make an informed decision. Um, and I think they use the example of social media. I, I think it helps show the community, even prospective clients uh, that, hey, this guy is a real guy that has a regular life and, and he's, I can see him adding value to his family's life when he does things with them. You know, I, yeah. and maybe, maybe he'll add value to our experience also the same way he's treating the other people in his community that he works with. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's, that's a big piece that sets some agents apart. I guess uh, social media is not like the magic bullet, right? It's, there's definitely some some negative con and negative things about it, and there's some real estate agents, and I'm sure there's also some home inspection groups that don't have any social media and are wildly successful, which is so strange because in both of our businesses there is no magic ingredient, there is no magic recipe for something that works. Isn't that weird? It's cra- That's crazy. I I see so another business that's like that, right? Isn't that strange? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I see that all the time. I, I had a, a guy in, um, so every every month at the home inspection school, we're graduating guys, like it's a, it's a four-month program, but every guy in each month or lady is in a different phase of the program. So every month we have like, you know, eight or ten people phasing out. And uh, this, this guy from uh, the Potsdam area, we went through this whole module on social media marketing and how to be successful with that. And he was like, Chris, I've, I've been a contractor for 25 years. I don't even know how to log into Facebook. Uh, I've never had one. And he holds his phone. He, he, was, he uses his granddaughter's laptop to log into the school ses- session. <laughs> he borrows it from her twice a week just so he can get into the Zoom meeting. Oh. And he holds his, his flip phone up and he goes, this is how I communicate with all of my clients. He said, I got more work than what I ever know what to do with. And, and there's, it doesn't matter whether it's social media or in person, as long as people understand that you're there to add value to their experience and you're following through, who gives a crap how you find those people? Yeah. You know, it's just, it might be a different demographic. You know, if it's, if you're using the internet, you know, or using social media, maybe it's more millennial generation. If it's word of mouth, maybe it's, you know, an older generation from there. But the, the, the point is the same though, is to, to bring a better experience, you know, a better level of service than what they were getting maybe somewhere else. Yeah. Well, damn, Chris, well put. I like that. What's a, what do you think is like the biggest challenge that you have 
right now, maybe in terms of, uh, and this could be like even during COVID, the like how you present information or trying to educate clients. What do you think is the like the biggest hurdle that you're trying to jump right now? Yeah, there's um, there are some inherent issues uh, or hurdles, not issues. I mean, everything's kind of an opportunity, I guess. Some some hurdles though that I think any inspector in this market is overcoming. One is the general competitiveness of the real estate market, you know, uh, that it's, it's more enticing, I guess, for a, for a potential buyer to not have a house inspected in order to be able to be competitive in their offer. And I, and I understand that I, I, I feel for people that are in that situation. I don't look down on them. I, I was, I, I've purchased homes too. I understand how hard that can be going through that may have to make decisions. So, you know, one is there's a natural decrease in, in inspections happening because of the competitive market. Uh, and, and the other side of it is clients can't always come to the inspection when we're performing it. You know, if it's an occupied house, there's people around, we can't always have people in the property. So, um, taking communication to the next level to, show the client exactly what was going on in the house without them actually being there is like probably the biggest, you know, operational type issue that uh, we encountered. And so what, what we've been doing, um, you know, starting just a few months ago, we uh, once the inspection's done and the report's complete, we log into a Zoom chat with the client and we just we, do, we go page by page with them on the report. We do a screen share. Uh, and answer their questions just like we would if we were at the inspection. They get to see the photos and the comments that were made, and and we try to do that, you know, at least within 24 hours of the time the inspection's been done. So they feel like they had a chance to get, you know, get information if they if they weren't able to come. Some people just choose to not come. You know, it's they say I don't I'm social distancing. I don't want to meet the inspector face to face. Right. Uh, so yeah, and I, there's two things you touched on. We'll get, I'll touch the waving home inspection after i say it's interesting with the way things are in the current market i used to always if i got a new buyer i would meet them in the office we'd go over some forms i kind of i call it like a buyer consultation you know i just try to set their expectations of what the market's like try to get a feel for them and if it's a stranger that i met off you know like zillow at least i'm meeting them in kind of a safe space but since all this happened i now have shifted it over to doing it over google meet I could do everything over the same thing. And I thought I was going to have a lot of people who would be like, no, I don't know how to use it. But only once has it happened. And it was an elderly lady who doesn't even have the internet. So it makes sense. Everybody else, no matter what, they always configure this thing out, which is makes my job so much easier, especially right mm-hmm. now. You know what I mean? Sure. Technology is a beautiful thing. But mm-hmm. I was saying, uh, going back to waving home inspections it is so wild i was talking to this uh with one of the agents in my office it is so wild to see the amount of people waving home inspections for me when i'm an agent that it puts me in a really like kind of weird place right because if you wave an inspection and then you close on the house and then two months later you find out that the foundation was was bowing out in the basement and you didn't catch it on your first or second time walking through that could put you in a pretty weird legal position i mean they they signed off that they waived it so i'm sure in a court you wouldn't you wouldn't get in trouble but man that's a weird that's a weird line to be tiptoeing on you know what i mean yeah i i don't i definitely don't think it's made it easy on realtors by any means i i've heard some you know some other home inspectors that have been going through the same thing where like maybe business has declined a little bit because they're, you know, people are waiving inspections, you know, a lot of times. And, and there's been, I think a lack of understanding as to maybe what the, the realtor was going through in the process of, of trying to figure that out that, you know, the, the active agents that we work with on a pretty regular basis have called us. I, Kelly, Kelly answers the phone, right? Kelly takes all the calls here and, and schedules. She has literally had agents cry on the phone and yeah. say, I just want my client to get information, but I'm so sorry. The past five deals that I've done, you know, they just had no choice. They had to wait. I tried to get yeah. to do it and they, they wanted the house and they, and they made the decision. And, and we understand that at the end of the day, it, it is the client's decision. You know, they, they're making that choice. It's, 
you know, they, they want the house and, and, and to get it, there's certain guidelines maybe that they have to follow in order to make it work. So we know that the realtors, especially the ones that we see all the time, they're not in lo- they're not in love with it. You know, maybe it's made some things easier in some cases, but at the end of the day, I think it it, it affects them more on a personal level because they they wanted their client to know more about that house. You know, yeah, so. right, and make sure that they're they're comfortable with what they're purchasing. You know, yep. I genuinely uh, the agents are you know trying to do the right thing in the case, but it you know a good agent will let the let I think let the client make a, a, a choice based on information. You know, at the end of the day, they're the ones that are signing off on it. Right. It's like, Hey, you guys really love this house. There's 14 other offers. We're going to be yeah. the 15th offer on this house. So th- this, these are the risks associated with waiving a home inspection. This is the way uh, a normal home inspection. And the only way that I've been trying to battle waiving home inspections was doing a pass or fail home inspection. So either the buyer says thumbs up or thumbs down. And it at least shows the seller that my buyer's not going to like, you know, nickel and dime them on yeah. a bunch of other things. It kind of gives them confidence. But I've even with other purchase offers, waiving home inspection, it's still it's still hard to compete because you still have that chance, right? Even if you're saying, my buyer will not ask for credits. We just want to make sure there's no, you know, scary monster in the basement, as Donna Jordan would say. You know, right? Yeah, for sure. What's the most <clears throat> common thing you think you see in houses? Like the most common issues? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, it's it, most of the defects, I wouldn't say most, a lot of the defects that we find in houses are common across the board, right? So the, the things that are wrong with my house are also probably wrong with my neighbor's house. You know, it's just the, the result of an aging property. <laughs> uh, and we tell everybody, you're not buying a brand new house. You're buying a house that's 60 years old or 120 years old. These are not new constructions. So they've been in the weather for, you know, a century. And we're finding things that are the result of maybe just, you know, lack of maintenance and and need to be improved on now. But, you know, as far as the common things that we find, there's always the same common electrical defects like GFCI outlets near sinks and, you know, a leaky faucet or something. These are, these are all things that you, you're never surprised when you see it. Um, But, those are, you know, and those are still just kind of the base, the baseline of what we're looking for. Um, you know, we're, we're really looking for the things that, that no one sees in general when they're walking through the house. You know, you, you've walked through the house or the clients walk through the house a couple, three times in the showings. The, buy, or the owner of the property has been there for 50 years and they didn't even notice that it was going on. And in two hours, we find the things that they didn't even know were happening in the property. So, you know. Common things are common, right? But major things and and stuff that wants that needs to be known, um, you know, that's really what we're searching for and needs to be talked about, I guess, mostly. What is like the craziest thing you've seen in a home inspection? Um, was it? It was the house that you did the inspection for for me in Fulton, (laughs) the one that was the the one that you couldn't even get to the basement. Yeah, I I I didn't do Sean uh, Tote, who's on our team. He did that inspection and. That was an interesting house. I please, did see that. Please report. send my love like, to him, okay? My love and yeah, respect. I'll send, I'll send him an edible arrangement or something with it from Corey Cast. <laughs> yeah. A box of tacos or something. Yeah. But, um, um, yeah, you know, it's the, the craziest thing. I, I don't know. I, people ask that question sometimes. And every time I think I've seen the craziest thing, two weeks goes by and I see something that's crazier than what we <laughs> the last time. And, and it's, it's something's always trumping the last crazy thing it's just diy home projects those are like you know hey guys come over and build my deck with me this weekend and i'll feed you pizza and give you beer and so never build a deck with your intoxicated friends it's like someone (laughs) someone could get killed (laughs) also Um, sounds like the recipe for very like things like kind of sloping a little bit you know what i mean yeah yeah, everything looks pinned straight after like, you know, 12 beers, right? Like you just don't even know. But the next day it's, you know, it, it's got as much pitch as your roof does. So. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's, that's DIY it. home projects, those are the craziest. But, you know, everybody if, gives it a good If there's like a seller getting their house ready for the market, what are a few things they should look at that would help them with their home inspection report? Like if somebody did a home inspection. 
Uh, yeah, you know, I, I would check, start with all the common maintenance areas of the house. You know, major defects, they're going to come up eventually, and those are unknown things that may not even be in your house. Most houses, I would say 90% of the houses that we look at suffer from neglect more than a system that's actually failing because it's defective, mm -hmm. right? So like, you know, um, uh, missing flashing around a chimney that needed to be recalked last year that nobody sealed up and now it's leaking into the attic and no one noticed it because it's in the attic and now there's mold all around the chimney. So maintenance-y type things around the house, reoccurring things like caulking around windows, checking flashing around the roof, going up inside the attic to make sure there's no mold in there, um, uh, you know, ensuring that there's all the electrical outlets are working properly in the house and there's no leaks near this thing. I would start with all the maintenance type things that are consumables. Um, and if all of those check out and seem pretty good, I mean, that's usually a decent work list right there in itself, you know, just kind of cleaning up the stuff that you said two years ago, I, I'm going to fix that. I meant to recalk those windows and two or three years have gone by and it hasn't been done. And, you know, so just kind of catching up on that extensive honeydew list, you know, that, that everybody kind of puts off. Yeah. I hope my mind always goes to, uh, gutters being six feet away from the property. I always think I, it's always, every time I'm looking at a house now, I always look at the gutters because that's like one of the biggest signs. If that basement's going to be a little damp, a little wet. Yep. And it seems to be a lot of houses do not do not have their water spouts shooting. It's six feet, right? Or is it four feet? It, so there are rules of thumb that guys follow, you know, if four feet, six feet, ten feet. I, I don't follow a dimension. It depends on the slope of the yard away from the house, how the house is positioned. Sometimes four feet is okay. You know, sometimes depend, depending on the terrain of the land, you know, sometimes 10 feet is not enough. You know, you got to get 15 or 20 feet away from the house in order to really make it drain right. So it depends on the layout. That's what we don't use a, a rule of thumb. We, every case is individual. You know, you make a judgment call when you're there. Yeah, right. Did, uh, how, how do you work differently between uh, a buyer and a seller, right? You're still having to inspect their home, but is the process different for the two of them? So like the difference between like a pre-listing inspection and a, and a buyer's inspection. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, we found that when we do both, both types of inspections, um, we found that the, the seller of the house really is from what we understand is looking for those deal killing type things, you know, the real expensive repairs that they just didn't know were there. And, you know, they kind of get blindsided with something that's going to be a thousand dollars or more or whatever later. So we, we really try to hone in first on those major things uh, to give them a heads up so they're not caught off guard. But we try to put together a more extensive maintenance list for them. Like, hey, you've got whatever, three weeks before you put this house on the market. Here are some action items that you can get to on weekends or whatever. Um that will just re remove a lot of kind of silly items from a home inspection report that, because what buyers, you know, you know, this, I mean, buyers get overwhelmed. You could have, it doesn't matter whether it's a maintenance or repair or a safety item. The buyer just sees 50 things wrong with the house and they freak out. Yeah. And a lot of times the seller for a few hundred dollars in an ambitious weekend can remove a ton of those items and make the next home inspection look you know, pretty nice for the most part, um, just by taking care of things that they've been meaning to get to for a couple of years that they just haven't touched. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, and it's definitely, usually it's all the little things that add up and make somebody run away. It's that, the big scary monster in the basement, or the first time home buyer bringing their dad or uncle to, to oh, blow yeah. up the spot. Usually those, those are like the three that I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> dads and uncles are scarier than home inspectors sometimes because they 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 don't want to see their kids make a bad choice right you know yeah. family. Um, but you know ha have all the maintenance things serviced have your furnace serviced have your water heater serviced you know get some service records on those things so the home inspector doesn't think that it's never been looked at you know and maintained um and in those buyer or the seller's in inspection there's things that we you know they don't always care about, right? They don't care about the brand of their furnace or they don't care about the brand of their electrical panel because they've lived there for 20 years. That's irrelevant to them in some ways. Um, so we may not always discuss that information with them, but 
for the buyer of the house, they don't know anything. So we're listing, you know, everything right down to the brand of, of what exists in the house. So they have, you know, as, as, as complete of a package of information as they can walking into it. Right. Right. No, that's interesting, man. Thank God for people like you to, to help with these transactions. There's so many things that I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even catch. And I don't catch because when I walk through it the first time, sometimes we might've seen like five houses that day, you know, and yeah. I might not be able to catch something like that. Especially when you have a fresh set of eyes is uh super crucial into buying a house, especially being comfortable with buying a house. Um, what advice would you give to buyers who are about to look over their home inspection? Um, I, I tell this to the guys when we're training and I have this conversation with buyers as well. You know, when you look at a house, say you saw it on Zillow and the pictures look amazing and it, everything shows just perfect and you can't wait to go see it. Um, it, it paints one picture of the house and usually a fairly decent picture, but the home inspection report is also full of a lot of photos and, and things like that as well. Um, the photos in the report have a tendency to make the house look and feel a lot different than the Zillow listing did because the online listing, all these pretty photos, home inspection reports, we're not there to tell the buyer how we like the color of the carpet or the paint on the walls. You know, we're, we're only taking pictures of, of things that need to be improved on. So it can be a really, from what I've, in my conversations with buyers, it can be a really quick reality check that they think maybe this house isn't the house that they thought it was. And the reality is, is it, it is the house they thought it was. Every house has maintenance problems and minor defects and, and things like that. So as they're looking over the report, I would tell them first of all, to not be afraid um, home inspection reports can be scary to look at, but they don't need to be, um, they don't need to be a scary experience. Um, it gives you the opportunity to learn how to trust the house. You know, like all of us have bought a new car that first week that you're driving a used car. You're like, man, I hope this thing doesn't break down on me somewhere, <laughs> you know? And then after you've put, you know, 5,000 miles on it, you're like, all right, I think we're good. You know, <laughs> I feel comfortable driving this thing out of state uh, that, that home inspection report is really a get to know you phase with the house where it, it is the house that you thought it was. And it, it just, you're becoming more acquainted with the property and the, the maintenance things that need to be addressed on it. So, you know, read, read over it and learn it and just create a plan, you know, pick a, pick a handful of things that you think are the most important for you and your family and just create a plan for yourself as you live there over the next year or two, uh, on how to get through those items, you know, in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah, I always say the home inspections like a uh, like a third date, right? When you're when you're dating somebody, you go on your first date, and both of you guys are kind of putting on a front, right? Like you're you're putting your best foot forward. You you do your hair just right. You're you got a tie on. You don't ever fucking wear a tie, but you got a tie on for some reason. <laughs> and then uh, you're trying to impress her. And then the second time, you get a little bit more like yourself, right? And then the third time, you really get to know you really get to know her, right? So the home inspection report is kind of like a third date. Right. You're yeah. really getting to know that house. <laughs> right. You, you, yeah. You, you met you met some of her friends, you know. You, yeah. <laughs> you, you're like, oh, man, I don't know if I can hang out with this person after meeting their friends. Or, right. You, know, you realize that they have 700 cats or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it, but, you know, but it's on that relationship. No, you know, you look at that and you're like, I, I this is something that I could see myself really caring about. And any, anything worth caring about takes work. Right. You yeah. know, it takes it takes effort. It doesn't, it doesn't come at no cost. So just cause you paid 200,000 for the house doesn't mean it was a one and done, you know, expense. It's an ongoing upkeep and relationships are the same way. It's just, so it gives you that snapshot of what the upcoming upkeep might be like, you know, as you're, as you're living there. I think that is a beautiful way to end the podcast. We, we wrapped in home inspections and dating people for on your fifth date. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I think, uh, Chris, I think you run a very successful group because you are genuine in your work and you truly enjoy giving, like you said earlier, you enjoy giving not only your buyers something of value, but also your agents or else you wouldn't be teaching or growing your home inspection group. So I appreciate you and the time that you, that you spent tonight doing the podcast. 
Thank you so much, man. It was, it was a ton of fun talking with you. I'm glad that, you know, we've, we've worked a little in the past and it was nice to just connect with you and just chat for a bit. So thanks. Yeah, it's and, nice. You never get to do this, right? Yeah, no, it, it's awesome. And I'm, I'm enjoying your podcast. I've been, I've been going back through your archives, just listening, just checking them out. Dude, nice. Dude, I got to say, my, I got to plug my favorite episode. Well, it's there's two tied, right? It's one with my wife because it's like the birth story of my son but number two is my grandma gomes i i love that woman that was like the funniest podcast ever because she's she's portuguese and her english isn't very good but it's all about the story of her and my grandfather coming to america and she's just like one of the like everybody that meets her just says how much they love her (laughs) she's so funny (laughs) that's awesome that's very cool i appreciate you what's uh what's if somebody wants to get a home inspection done by you or if uh, they want to reach out to you for more information, where can they go? Uh, so our website is uh, cgreeninspection.com, the letter C, greeninspection.com. Um, and our office phone number is 315-591-8330. Nice, cool. And do me a favor. What we'll do is uh, just shoot me a link to any like social media or anything you have and I'll put it in the show description. So anybody listening right now, you just go to the show description and boom, you can hit whatever social media Chris has and uh, find them there. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. That was, that was fun. I appreciate the invite. Dude, I appreciate the hell out of you. Thanks for doing this. Thank you so much for listening to the show. The love and support that you guys show me is such a wonderful thing. From the text messages to social media posts, it's just a constant reminder of how many awesome people I have in my life. If you want to support the show, make sure you subscribe, follow, like the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Share it with your friends and tell them what your favorite episode is. If you think yourself or someone you may know would be great on the podcast, reach out to me and we can make it happen. I love putting these out and getting a chance to talk to so many interesting people is so incredible. So thank you for giving me your time and I appreciate you guys more than I can put into words. I love you people very much.